Ray, are you switched on? That's better. Am I now? You are. I am. Do you want me to start all that again? <laughs> Our dear friend Danny will be bringing the word of God for us this morning. Um, you'll see that the table's set for communion and we will gather around that later on. And also, after communion, uh, the children are making biscuits. They don't know how many they're going to be able to make, but they'd like to come in at the end and give you all a biscuit. There we are. Would you risk it for a biscuit? That's what they say. So there we are. And also today is Remembrance Sunday, and we will be observing uh, the two-minute silence at about 11 o'clock, as near as we can make it. So, when I prepare and send out uh, the order of service, I call this time a call to worship. And for me, this is a time that I remember when I was much younger. And you used to come into church and you used to sit quietly. And I should have put the offering in before this, but I'll do it in a minute. And you sat quietly and you got your thoughts together and you came to God in the quietness and the reverence and you asked God to forgive you and to prepare your heart for worship. And as part of our worship now, we will take up the offering. Is that all right? I'm looking at Fox for a nod, but I'm not getting anything. I've got it. <clears throat> so if you like to talk amongst yourselves, you can. pray Father God we do indeed thank you that everything we have comes from you thank you Lord that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and that you do not need anything but Lord you've given us so much and we want to give a little bit back please take this money Lord and the money that we've received through other means, through direct debits, standing orders. And we pray, Lord, that you will use it to the furtherance of your kingdom here and elsewhere. We ask this in your name. Amen. 
So I used to come into church and we used to sit quietly and put things right before we went into it. A time to draw closer to God, a time to allow God to draw near to you, to seek his forgiveness and mercy, to prepare your heart and mind to enter into a time of worship. Worship about bringing glory and honour to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about God. And as we enter worship, we need to feel God's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit on us. We have the Holy Spirit in us, but I pray that you will have a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit on us. So we're going to pause and have a quiet time to be still and know that he is God. And in the quietness, I'm going to read some scripture the Lord has laid on my heart. So let's just, just sit quietly and listen to these words. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore in my wrath, I shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news have fallen to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying, Lo, David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from the works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the divisions of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the faults and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. These verses relate to what I call habitual sin, the sin we often return to. And God has laid on my heart these following verses, or these following things. So let's just come quietly and open our hearts. Do we have a critical spirit? Ask God to cast that out. Have you hardened your heart? Ask God to soften it. Have you failed to forgive someone? Are you being eaten away with bitterness? Take that person to God 
and seek the Lord's forgiveness. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Just going to have some quiet now for you to contemplate that. creating us a clean heart, O God, and renew a rightful spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with a willing spirit. Amen. If you've ever been in a group of mine or you've... uh, listen to me for far too long, Uh, you would know that I class coming to church on a Sunday as my roast dinner. All week long I snack on my quiet time, my devotional time, but when I come to church on a Sunday, I meet with family, I meet in the presence of the greatest host ever, and I dine at his table. And as I look at the table, there may be things on that table that perhaps I don't like and I just let it go. Or there might be something new on that table that I've never tasted and I have an option. I either have to taste it and see if I like it or I say, no, thank you. But I don't let that spoil the meal. I enjoy the rest of the stuff that's there and I enjoy the company of my family, and I enjoy being in the presence of the host. And so we're going to look at, when we come to worship, it is all about Jesus. And John the Baptist said, I must become less, and he must become greater. Worship is not about us, it's all about God. So let's stand and worship Jesus. Just to 
Father God, as we come now to remember those who laid down their lives in the two great wars, those who have laid down their lives in many conflicts since then. Lord, as we prepare our hearts to remember the massive debt that we owe to those people. But we do realise, Lord, as well, that your son came and died. And we have a massive debt that we will never repay. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Father God, as we come to stand in quietness for two minutes, to reflect on loved ones that we lost, to reflect on those who were left behind, mothers, wives, children, those who never had a chance to say goodbye. And in the quietness, Lord, just be in our thoughts as we stand for these two minutes silence. So let's stand and just be quiet. If you can't stand, then sit down. So bring your thoughts together. Please sit down.
This is a little poem that was written by a man called Mike. I'm going to call him that because I failed to pronounce his other name. And he flew as a door gunner with the sea wolves in 1969. Um, keenly aware of his own mortality, he wrote this poem and titled it, Look God. Look God, I have never spoken to you, and now I want to say, how do you do? You see, God, they told me you didn't exist, and like a fool, I believed all this. Last night from a shell hole, I saw your sky. I figured right then that they told me a lie. Had I taken the time to see things you made, I have known they were not calling a spade a spade. I wonder, God, if you would take, shake my hand. Somehow I feel that you would understand. Funny how I had to come to this hellish place before I had time to see your face. Well, I guess there isn't much more to say, but I'm sure glad, God, that I met you today. <coughs> I guess that zero hour will soon be here, but I'm not afraid now, I know you are here. The signal, well God, I'll have to go. I like you a lot, this I want you to know. Look now, this will be a horrible fight. Who knows, I may come to your house tonight. Though I wasn't too friendly with you before, I wonder God, if you would wait by your door. Look, I'm crying, me, shedding tears. I wish I had known you these many years. Well, I do have to go now, God, goodbye. Strange, since I met you, I'm not afraid to die. Mike's fire team was ambushed in a helicopter trap on the Cambodian border. He died that day. Father God, as a nation, we have gathered to remember the many who gave their lives in the two great wars. Lord, remember them for loved ones who never said goodbye. We remember them for those who have died in recent conflicts, Iran, Afghanistan, Northern Ireland, Korea, Vietnam, the Falklands. We will remember them. We bring the war of Ukraine to you. We pray for peace. We pray for justice. And we pray for peace in that land. We pray for those who are working to negotiate peace around the world. You've said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So much of the world is suffering right now, Heavenly Father. Myanmar, Afghanistan, Yemen, Ethiopia, and many more before you now. I ask you to bring peace to these nations and to end all conflict around the world. Amen. Okay, we're going to come to the Word of God now. And before Danny comes up. So our Bible reading today is from Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 to 14. 
But watch out, be careful, never to forget what you yourself have been seen. Do not let these memories escape your minds as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai where he told me, summon the people before me and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live and they will teach their children to fear me also. Lord, come near and <coughs> you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while flames from the mountain shot into the sky. The mountain was shrouded in black cloud and deep darkness and the Lord spoke to you from the heart of the fire. You heard the sound of his words but didn't see his form. There was only a voice. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep and which he wrote on the two stone tablets. It was at that time that the Lord commanded me to teach you his decrees and regulations so you would obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. May God add his blessings to that as Danny comes up and preach. And as Danny comes up, I'll pray for him. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish which I propose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. We pray, Lord, you will speak this morning through your servant, David, Danny. Help him to bring what you've laid on his heart. Amen. I'm taking my kinder in case you nick it. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> Green light, thank you very much. And thank you to whoever put the tie mic here instead of that wonderful contraption that goes behind your ears. <laughs> When you've got things already behind your ears, as I have, multiples of them, it's nice to have a tie mic instead. Great to be with you. How are you all? Good. It's good to see you. And try as I might, I couldn't avoid the remembrance theme. I said to Ray a week or two ago, I may not preach around the theme of remembrance, but it's been very difficult. I've been very focused on it this week. We organized a remembrance service on Friday in the chapel at the hospital and uh, took that moment there to paused together with about 50 people, people in uniform, um, representatives of the local community and, and had our remembrance service there. So it's been very much on my mind, reflecting on the whole question of memory and remembering. And I was reminded of a story I heard years ago about a chap who got married and he was very anxious, and this isn't me by the way, very anxious that he might not remember his wedding anniversary. So gentlemen, here's a tip for you all if you struggle with this, thank you very much. If you struggle with this, what he did was went to his local florist and he said, if I give you my bank details, will you every year on my wedding anniversary 
send flowers and a card on my behalf to my wife. That way, I, I'm guaranteed to never forget the wedding anniversary. Somebody's got a thumbs up. Great idea, yeah, fellas? <laughs> and it went swimmingly for a while. Every year, the flowers would arrive, and he had a delighted wife and a happy home, and all those things that a husband longs for. And uh, until one day, he walked in from work and saw flowers on the table and said, what lovely flowers, darling. Who are they from, and what for? <laughs> and the whole thing fell apart. How are you at remembering? I'm one of these people who has to have little strategies to remember things. Um, I've reached that stage in life where if I want to make sure I remember my car keys, I put them in my coat pocket because that way I can't go to the car without my coat and I can't get the keys without the... You see what I'm saying? Little strategies to cope. And in our kitchen, uh, things are laid out in a particular way. So my hearing aid boxes are on top of the box of tablets, which I have to take one of every night. So in order to remember to take the tablet, I, I take my hearing aids out and go, oh yeah, the tablet. That's how I get by these days, uh, as the old forgettery gets a bit foggier and, and struggles, little strategies. You can tell me yours uh, later on if you like. What are your tricks for remembering things? We're in a season of remembrance, aren't we? Not just today and uh, Friday, but it's a season of remembrance, All Saints Day on the 1st of November. Interesting how that gets lost in the, in the cloud of Halloween, and some I know will have, will have picked up on both ideas, um, but a very important day in, in the liturgy and the life of the church. It's a day when in many churches, not just the saints as in those who are named saints, but all Christians in all generations are remembered, those who've gone before. I always find it a lovely occasion to remember those who were particularly influential in my, in my life and in bringing me to faith in Christ. Do you have people like that you remember? People who brought the word of God to you, a Sunday school teacher maybe? I remember E.D. Lloyd. I remember that lady's name. I was about this big when I entered her Sunday school class. She never had children of her own. She stayed at home, didn't marry, looked after her mum right up until she died. And Edie taught Sunday school for about 100 years. <laughs> or it certainly, certainly felt like that. She never had a child of her own, but she raised generations of children in the faith. Isn't that incredible? All Saints Day is a day to remember those who've gone before, who, who were witnesses of the love and the goodness of God to us, who brought the life of Christ to us. Just thinking in the quietness of your own hearts of the people who touched your lives with the grace of God, who helped you to understand and to grasp and to know the faith that you have come to in these days. So All Saints Day. Then, of course, it was bonfire night, wasn't it? Remember, remember the 5th of November. How does it go? Gunpowder, treason and plot. I see no reason why something and treason should ever be forgotten. The poem goes on, and it recalls a time in history. And of course, many, many people send up the fireworks, light the bonfires, and haven't got a clue what it's about, that someday, way back in our history, men plotted to overthrow the king and parliament. And there are all sorts of religious and political reasons for that. You're going to have to dig into that for yourselves. But it gets lost in the midst of time. But a, a day is set aside. We remember on that day, 5th of November, all those years ago, the plot was foiled. And now, of course, Remembrance Day, Remembrance Sunday, when we remember before God those who gave their lives in service of country and commonwealth and seeking the peace of the world. It's lovely to see the flower displays. Thank you to whoever has uh, put those together. I was reminded, of course, of a poem when I saw them when I came in 
this morning, uh, John McRae's poem, In Flanders Fields, where poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place. And in the sky, the lark still bravely singing fly, scarce heard among the guns below. And it goes on, doesn't it? We are the dead short days ago, and so on. And urges those who remain to take up the torch which they throw from the failing hands. Beautiful poem written by John McRae um, back in the, in the trenches in the, in the war, in the First World War. And he died in Belgium in his work as a doctor and a medic in, in the war. Incredible uh, memories and grateful to Ray for helping to focus our thoughts on that. But what does it really mean to remember? We often use the word, don't we, purely in, in the mental sense. Um, those of us who remember our early days at school, you know, gathering um, information and remembering it. We use it in that way, don't we? I've remembered my lines. I've remembered to put milk on the shopping list or whatever else it might be in your case. Remembering dates and names. Can you remember, did you ever learn all the lists of kings and things like that in history at school? Yes? No? Nobody's going to dare because you think I'm going to test you. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not because you'll catch me out quickly enough. But in that scripture that Ray read from a moment ago in Deuteronomy, Moses has been, in the previous chapters, recounting something of the 38 years of history of God's people as they've wandered in the wilderness. It, it began because very early on in their time, after they came out of Egypt, they refused to obey the Lord and seize the opportunity to take the land. And God said of them, a bit like the scripture Ray read to us right at the beginning, they're never going to enter this rest. This whole generation will pass away before they enter the promised land. And it was 40 years, as you'll know, before they finally, under the leadership of Joshua, took uh, the land of promise. And Moses is rehearsing some of the story of their wandering through the desert, reminding them of how in every situation God provided for them. God cared for them, God protected them, how he gave them victories over their enemies and the nations that sought to oppress them and challenge them. And now in the scripture we read together, he's urging them to remember, to re remember God's actions, his laws, his teachings, but not just as an activity of the mind, but as a prompt and a driving force for how they will live their lives in the future. So remembering had a purpose. It was to shape their lives. Remember these things God has done for you, and that transforms how you will live. Remember how God delivered you from slavery. That will change the way you treat other people, and so on. Everything about the remembrance had a purpose in God's mind. It's not just a preparation for a quiz or a test. They're remembering, as the scripture said that we read together, so that they will watch themselves closely. Remembering all that God has done for them will affect their behavior. Remembering the things you've seen, Moses says, and pass them on to the next generation. Isn't that exactly what has been going on in this Remembrance Day? Isn't that what this is all about? More than 100 years since the end of the First World War, 104 years, and still we're saying to our children and our grandchildren, we must never forget. And we don't want to forget because if we forget, we run the risk don't we, of it happening again. So we remember in order for something. And if you look further down that passage in Deuteronomy, we don't have time to look at it this morning, but if you follow down through the text, you'll see why the remembering was so important to them. 
why their security in the land depended on holding on to those memories, depended on them remembering who God is, what he's done, what he's said, being careful not to forget, Moses puts it that way. That's how they were to remain under the blessing of God. And when we look at how the Bible uses the word and the concept of remembrance, we discover that remembering is never just a mental activity. It always leads to action. It always shapes lives. The Bible shows us that remembrance is an important aspect of our worship. Isn't that true? It's as we recall all that God has done and our hearts are moved with gratitude to him that worship and praise wells up in our hearts. We don't just worship God because. We remember what he's done for us. And some of our songs this morning have captured that sense of our deliverance, our rescue, our freedom, the joy that we've been brought into, the forgiveness that we know. And so we remember and it stirs up praise in our hearts. The New Testament, John 14, reminds us that one of the key ministries of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of the things that Jesus has taught. Do you remember that? John 14, 26. He, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will remind you of everything that I have said, Jesus says to his disciples. I often think it's important to remember the Jewish and Hebrew roots of our faith. And the word that is used in the Old Testament for remember or commemorate or mention uh, frequently throughout Scripture is a Hebrew word, zakar or zeker. Don't expect you to remember that particularly, but that's what it is. And it always comes with that idea of activity. It's never just remember, just hold an idea in your mind. It's always connecting thought with action. Have a th think about this for a minute. Joseph in the prison. Remember the story of the butler and the baker? And they each have a dream and they come to Joseph and say, we've had these really strange dreams. And Joseph interprets the dreams. For the baker, it's a very negative interpretation. The birds eat the bread in the basket that he's carrying. And Joseph says, I'm really sorry, but this is not good news for you. Then the butler comes and he's squeezing the grapes and the, the grape juice runs down. And he used to bring the cup to Pharaoh. And Joseph tells him, you're going to be restored to your place, taken out of the prison. And he says to him, remember me to Pharaoh. Have you ever said that to anyone? Remember me to auntie. Remember me to George. Have you ever said that? Joseph says, remember me to Pharaoh. Now surely he doesn't mean, just think of me occasionally. Wasn't Joseph a good chap? He was such a nice fellow to have around in the prison when we were gloomy. He doesn't mean that at all, does he? he says, remember me to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh about me. Do something about my situation. I want to be free as well. Remember me, he says, when you get into your place of blessing and freedom. And then much later on, of course, Pharaoh has the dreams. Pharaoh has the disturbed nights. And when he tells his friends and the people around him what's been going on, the butler thinks, yes, I know a man who can do something about this. And he remembers Joseph to Pharaoh. It's an active thing. There's a scripture as well that talks of God hearing the groaning of his people, Exodus chapter 2. And it says he remembered his covenant. And of course, God wasn't there in heaven looking down saying, oh yeah, I remember I made a promise. His heart and his covenant moved him into action to deliver his people from slavery. In Numbers 10, the people are told that when they face times of war, they can blow the trumpets in alarm and God will remember his people. And of course, the outcome of that goes on to say and deliver them from the attacks and the assaults of their enemy. God wasn't just going to hear the trumpets and say, oh, there you are. 
He was going to act on behalf of his people. This is the God we serve, isn't it? And often we see that in the many prayers in Scripture where people say again and again, Lord, will you remember me? The plea of the heart. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever had the courage to say, Lord, remember me? Remember me. Hannah in Samuel chapter 1, longing for a child in the temple with her lips moving so that the priests thought she was drunk because he couldn't hear the words. And she's crying out to God from the heart, remember your servant, give me a son. Remember and act. Remember your servant and do something for me. Samson, captured and blinded by the Philistines, standing between those pillars in the great hall with the Philistine rulers. He's lost all his strength, but he says, God, remember me. Remember me and strengthen me to wreak vengeance on my enemies. And God pours back that supernatural strength into his body and he brings down the building and destroys more Philistines in his death than in his life. An extraordinary account. Remember me. Job in chapter 14, in the midst of all his suffering, says, Lord, remember me. And what he pleads for is that the Lord will cut short the pain and the struggle he's going through. Have you ever felt like praying that? God, I can't take any more. Will you remember me? Break through for me. Act in this situation. Bring a change. God, remember me. See how the word is used. Always that sense of action and movement. Do you ever have the courage to pray that way? I think we're encouraged that we can, don't you? I think these scriptures tell us that we can approach God in that way. You know, sometimes we're so timid in our praying, aren't we? We feel as though somehow we're being offensive to God if we ask him for things or if we plead with him in that way. But don't these scriptures encourage your heart that you can come to the Lord in your struggle? Say, Lord, will you remember me? There's another scripture that says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. I was thinking about that this morning and thinking, surely the scripture is not just saying, have a little think about God now and then while you're young. It's, it, isn't it a plea to those of us who are young, and some in this room still are, certainly if we look at, you know, relatively. It's saying, remember, put God before your eyes while you're still young so that you can live the whole of your life in the goodness and the knowledge of God. Doesn't that tie in with that poem that Ray shared with us? The man who late in life is saying, I thought it was all lies. I, I, I didn't believe in you. I didn't follow you. But in this moment, in this crisis, I found you and discovered you. How much more wonderful to have lived your whole life in the knowledge of the love of God and the goodness of God in his son. So the, the writer says, remember God, remember your creator, remember whose you are from your youth. Live your whole life in the good of that knowledge. There's a real purpose in remembering, isn't there? One of the struggles I had at school was trying to remember things that I couldn't see a point for. I, you're laughing, you know what I mean, don't you? I just couldn't see. You know, as a youngster, I'd sit there and think, what am I ever going to do with this? I, I, so I know how to say anti-disestablishmentarianism, and I know how to spell it, and I know that it's the longest word in the English dictionary. All right, I know it isn't anymore. But I don't care. And I bet not many of you know what it actually means. I'll tell you afterwards if you really want to know. Why did I ever learn that? But I did. All sorts of other things. <laughs> How to use a fountain pen. <laughs> Who still uses a fountain pen? Good on you. 
who has never used one in their life since they left school. Thank the Lord for the biro <laughs> and the rollerball. You know, stuff we learned. Think, you, you've got your own ideas, I know. How to distinguish between the different types of dinosaur. I found that mighty useful in my life. I'm very grateful, I'm very grateful that should there ever be a dinosaur invasion, my seven-year-old granddaughter will put me right. She knows them all and she'll tell me which one's which and the ones that are going to eat me and the ones that would be happy if I gave them a carrot. It's good to know these things. But I learned stuff like that at school and I wonder why I bothered. But of course there are things we learned that we have found valuable, aren't there? I, I don't remember all the fine detail of history, but I've got a good broad sketch, haven't you? I've got a, a good idea of the geography of the world, and particularly of our own country. I kind of know where Birmingham is in relation to Manchester and so on. Um, I might not have the fine detail, but I know this, the sketch. I've got to confess that sines, cosines, tangents, and logarithms are in the dusty past. <laughs> but I can still do my tables. I can still do that. I know 12 12s are 137, that kind of thing, you know. <clears throat> I guess there are a few people here who did all that algebra and know how to do it. I can still remember some of the A-level equations that I did years and years ago. I remember the equations, have not a single clue what they were for or what you do with them if you do remember them. Am I alone in this or can people share my pain? <laughs> The stuff we learned that had no purpose. But this scripture and so many scriptures remind us that there is a purpose in the remembering. There's a purpose in this remembrance day. Surely there's a purpose. Jewish culture and thought perhaps saw the past and future a little differently to our modern Western outlook. We tend to see the future ahead of us to be explored and, and looked into. And the past is behind and done. But Jewish thinkers saw the past as something you held before your eyes to learn from and grow from. That the experiences you've been through are there to help shape your future and your destiny and your purpose. Does that make sense to your minds? You see what Moses and others are doing with that idea. So the, the past is there in front of our eyes. Remembering the past in that sense helps us to shape our future. And that old phrase, those that cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it, is a very solid biblical concept, isn't it? Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So Moses says, look at the things your eyes have seen. Tell your children about them. Tell your grandchildren about these things. Remind them of these truths. <clears throat> so if there's any purpose in this day of remembrance today, Surely it must be to prompt and urge us all to do all we can to be peacemakers in our time. To ensure that if we have any say in the matter, we will never go to war in that way again. And it breaks our hearts. Would it were so? It breaks our hearts, doesn't it, to see what's going on in Ukraine and in other parts of the world at the moment. And because there is a purpose in the remembering, we are prompted to remember I'm so glad that Ray mentioned the Sabbath again. It's been terrific in recent weeks to hear Esther speaking on that subject and stirring us up again to think about what that means. Because God knows what we're like. He should do. He's our creator. He knows our inclination to forget, how quickly things slip from our minds, how fast the importance of them disappears from our consciousness. So he helps us. 
And the fourth of the Ten Commandments says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Exodus 20, verse 8. God wanted us to remember in the Exodus version of this that he is our creator. A chapter or two on from where I just read to you, in Deuteronomy, God, uh, Moses reminds the people of the commandments again and presents God as the redeemer, the deliverer. So when God gave the Sabbath day to his people, it was so that they would hold themselves in that knowledge that he is their creator and redeemer. And once a week, every week, as the Sabbath returned and came around, the people of God were reminded who God is. And as I was saying in another church recently, when you know who God is, you understand better who you are. So the Sabbath came around with that regularity to keep them focused every single week. And as Christians, as we observe Sabbath, however we may choose to do that, and Esther's been giving us all sorts of ideas and options over recent weeks, as we observe, observe the Sabbath, we bring to mind the rest and peace we have received through our knowledge of Jesus and his work, as well as the promise of his return to bring the world an eternal Sabbath rest. Thank you so much, Ray, for bringing those thoughts to us early on. Interesting how the Holy Spirit works in these things, isn't it? And by celebrating those great truths again and again, we remain constantly aware of them by returning again. And then there were the regular feasts, weren't there, in the Jewish calendar. The times to remember God's great acts of redemption, deliverance, provision, and for the people to rededicate themselves to God for the future and for the days to come. Passover, commemorating the Israelites' deliverance from Egypt encouraging the people to keep alive their story of liberation and pass that on to every generation. If you've ever sat through a Seder meal, a Passover meal, you'll know how important children are in the service or in the, in the meal. Any of you ever done that? And it's the, it's the young ones, isn't it, who have to ask the important questions. Why do we do this? Why do we take this uh, part of the, the meal here? Why do we do these things? And the father or the elder in the house will answer the questions. It reminds us of when we were delivered uh, out of Egypt. The Feast of Weeks, we call it Pentecost, commemorating the giving of the law, the celebration of the first fruits, encouraging the people to maintain their side of the covenant. Important, isn't it? We remember God's covenant of love, but we need to be encouraged, don't we, to remember our side of the covenant, that we are a covenant people. We are people bound to God in his love and in covenant with him. They remembered God's provision for their wanderings in the wilderness at the Feast of Tabernacles. And even today, people still build the booths on the roofs of their houses to remember how they once were out there in the wilderness and God never let them down, always provided for them. These tremendous feasts came round every year to remind the people and stir them again to action. Coming back to Passover, God says of this feast, this day shall be a memorial or a commemoration, same root word coming through there. Each generation of Jews celebrating the Passover regarded themselves as being part of that story. It was as though they had personally been brought out of Egypt, personally delivered. They entered into the story, they made it their own. They reenacted it, and they saw it not just as some historic event, but as real for them. They were the free people, the delivered people, the redeemed people. So even in their later uh, slavery, they would take the Passover and say next year in Jerusalem. They would remind themselves of the power of God to deliver and they anticipated a future deliverance again. And when you look at the 
words of the said Emil, you can see how the people would place themselves and do still, place themselves in the story and make it their own. And as we look at this table, it was of course at the Passover meal that Jesus did something, when we think about it, that was so staggeringly extraordinary. When he took the bread in the middle of that Passover meal that was wrapped up with all that symbolism, all that storyline, and he said, here's a new storyline. This bread is my body, which is broken for you, which is given for you. And then he took the cup of blessing, which had a place in that service. And he took that cup, and they were used to this feast. They'd celebrated it every year of their lives since they were kids. And Jesus took that cup of blessing and said, this cup is the new covenant. Powerful. The new relationship, the new agreement, which is brought about through my blood. Incredible moment. They could never look on that feast the same way again. And he instituted a remembrance for them and for us. Took simple things, bread and wine, familiar things, things that would always be there, and said, let me prompt you. Whenever you do this, you proclaim my death until I come again. Wonderful, powerful symbols. God prompts us to remember. I think I'm a little sad that in many of our Baptist churches, we don't do this quite as often as I used to when I was a kid. I grew up in the Christian Brethren, and uh, we took communion every single Sunday. Every Sunday was the Lord's table. It's kind of what I'm used to, and I miss it a bit because it anchors us, doesn't it? This feast anchors us in the truth and the heart of our faith. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 that as we participate in this simple act of remembrance, we proclaim again, we declare it, we preach it to one another. That's what the word means. We preach the atoning death and saving work of Christ, and we look forward to his promised return. And as we participate in this remembrance, just like the Jews at Passover, we see ourselves in the story. We immerse ourselves in the plot line and its implications for us. We hold before our eyes again the saving work of Christ and recall that the one thing that God promises never to remember is our sins. I will remember your sins no more, Jeremiah prophesies. So with Paul in Galatians 2.20, we can say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Can you see how we're doing exactly what Moses asked the people to do all those years ago? We immerse ourselves back in that story and say, because he died, I can live. Because of his great sacrifice, my life is transformed. Because of his death on the cross, I can know peace with God. It changes the purpose of my life. It redirects everything about me. And as I come week by week or month by month or however often we choose to celebrate this feast, we remember with a purpose that as we go out from here, as the Church of England liturgy so beautifully puts it, we go out to live and work for his praise and glory. Isn't that what remembering ought to do? That we don't leave here the same as we came in, but we leave with a renewed passion to live for him, to serve him, to witness him to everyone that we come across, to share his love wherever we can, wherever he gives us the opportunity and the grace to live our lives with him.
in communion, we remind ourselves again of our mystical union with Christ, that when he died on that cross, my sins were there, paid for, dealt with. All of my failure, all of my guilt, I receive again in renewed faith the knowledge that I'm forgiven. I'm born again of the Spirit of God. My life is transformed. Paul again in 1 Corinthians 10 describes our eating of the broken bread and the drinking of the cup as a thanksgiving and a participation. The Greek word, you'll know it so well, koinonia. It's translated fellowship, communion, participation. You can use whatever word you like, but it says we're not just eating a bit of bread and drinking the wine and remembering an event a long time ago, but we are participating in it again. This covenantal act of God is an eternal truth, an eternal reality. And right now, as we take bread and wine, we will buy into that by faith. That's why we say we eat and drink with faith and thanksgiving. So we're going to come to communion in a few moments' time. And we hear the Lord saying to us, as he did to the people Moses spoke to all those years ago, do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. So in a few moments, we'll hold these past saving acts before our eyes again. We'll remind ourselves again of God's mercy and grace and recognize how this transforms our lives and renews in us our faith and a desire to live and work for him. Amen. Ray, and thank you. Thank you, Danny. I'm very fortunate I don't forget my car keys <laughs> because they're in my car key trousers. There we are. Oh. <laughs> Let's stand and sing.
So we come now to celebrate that sacrifice of all sacrifices, the giving of God's Son on our behalf. And on behalf of the church here, I just welcome any who know and love the Lord Jesus to join with us in sharing in communion. If it's not something you usually do, please don't be embarrassed to pass the bread and the wine by as others receive, but you're welcome to break bread with us today. Come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and long to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Even as I say those words, I realize that communion with the Lord must surely include communion with one another. If we're in fellowship with him, we need to be in fellowship with one another. And I just urge you and encourage you to search your hearts if there is anything in us that is of any attitude or any dislike or difficulty with a brother or sister. I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew where he says, if you come to the altar of sacrifice, bringing your gift, and while you're there, you remember that you have a problem with your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled. And then come and offer your gift. Surely we need to be in good communion, good fellowship with one another as well. So as we come just in a quiet moment of confession, we take time to pause and reflect on our need for forgiveness. Let's pray together. And perhaps if that thought touches your heart, it's something you can bring to God in your own heart and prayers now. Lord God, on this day of all days, we are conscious of the sins and failings of the world, the greed, selfishness and prejudice, the hatred that blight the nations and are the cause of war and strife. And we recognize in this moment our own failings too. We have not loved our fellow man as we should. We have not loved you as we should. We too have acted and so often do in selfish ways and unjustly. And Lord, as we examine our hearts before you, we see again our need of your mercy. Come to us in your redeeming love. Forgive us again. And as we remember your great sacrifice for our sins, give us the grace we pray to live for you in the days to come. Amen. And as we receive in our hearts and spirits the gracious forgiveness of God, let me read to you the words of a, a beautiful hymn, one of my favorites, and I'm sure many of you as well. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. 
My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ, my Saviour and my God. May we know in our hearts the peace with God that Jesus' death and resurrection brings to us. Paul tells us, I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray and give thanks for the bread and wine. Loving God, we praise you and thank you for your love shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power by lifting up the downtrodden, healing the sick and loving the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross for our redemption and for the redemption of the world. We thank you for raising him to life again as a foretaste of the glory we shall all share. So we give you thanks for this bread and this wine, signs of your sacrifice and your transforming love. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that as we eat and drink together, we may be renewed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus, and formed into his body. We pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Can I ask those who are serving to come up and join me, if you would? Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. And I encourage you to eat the bread as you receive it and to eat with thankfulness for the Lord. Thank you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. Can I encourage you to retain the cup until we've all been served and we'll drink together.
it's with great gladness that we take the cup of blessing with thankfulness in our hearts and gratitude to God that through the shed blood of his Son our sins are forgiven once and for all. Let's drink with thankfulness. Amen. As we come to the end of our service, we'll bring a closing prayer, and after that we'll say together the words of the grace, if we may. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. May we who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you've set before us so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's have the courage to turn to one another as we say the words. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.